This is Raider Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary roughness. Unnecessary roughness. I think this, that somewhere within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down. And he must go down hard. Live from the underground lounge at the Oyo Hotel and Casino, this is Unnecessary Roughness. Here's your boy Q. And here we are kicking off hour number two of the show, Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness at the Oyo. The Underground Lounge is where we are for Monday Night Football. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the Cleveland Browns, uh, potentially Big Ben's last home game. And who knows, maybe Big Ben's going to go off into retirement after the season. Who knows? But tonight it is going down AFC North matchup. The Cleveland Browns, who are eliminated from playoff contention, and the Pittsburgh Steelers, who, believe it or not, still have a chance. They just keep hanging on and hanging on. But right now on the phone lines we have our good buddy Ed Graney from ESPN. Las Vegas, also the Review Journal, does a fantastic job with both. And Ed, thank you so much for your time. And I'll tell you, Ed, a few weeks ago, I, I was the guy that did not believe that the Raiders had an opportunity to go on a three-game winning streak, potentially a four-game winning streak, and, and end up into the playoffs. I just didn't think it was going to happen by what we saw. But here we are. How surprised, how shocked are you that this opportunity is here in front of the Raiders right now? Uh, I'm with you. I'm surprised, especially the way they were going offensively, scoring 16, 17 points a game. Um, I just never thought that they could get it going enough to where the offense could match much of the defensive performance. But uh, And, you know, look, they're still not at 30 points a game, but they're doing right. enough to get by and doing enough to win games. So uh, I don't think they're going to apologize to anyone, nor should they in the NFL. I mean, you don't, you don't argue with wins. You certainly don't argue with road wins. So, the fact that they're here is, uh, you know, credit to them and their resiliency and to get past a lot of crazy drama in this team. Have a little more today, it seems. Uh, they can't they can't go a week without some headline. But, um, right. yeah, they have, it, they have it all in front of them, and that's a credit to them. Right, and that's all you could ever ask for is just an opportunity, and that's what they yeah. have coming up on Sunday is an opportunity. Now, Ed, you've been around Las Vegas for a long time. You've seen a lot of great games. You've seen a lot of games that are meaningful. Obviously, the Golden Knights did their thing their very first year here in Las Vegas. The Raiders, as being new to Las Vegas, have an opportunity to really turn this into an NFL city with the game on Sunday night, a win and you're in. What do you expect the atmosphere to be like on Sunday night at Allegiant Stadium? Well, I mean, it better be crazy for Raider fans. I mean, this is not, uh, you know, this this is not the Chicago Bears that's going to bring half the stadium or the Kansas City Chiefs that might bring three-quarters of the stadium. And this is the Chargers, who for a few years in Carson couldn't draw anyone. Now they're in SoFi. I think they draw a few more people. They have more fans. But are they really going to get on secondary markets and try to buy tickets? I mean, this should be a major, major home field advantage for the Raiders when it comes to their fans. And, you know, for their sake, I hope they show up and they're loud because it could make all the difference in the world. These teams play really close games. Um, they have for a while now. Uh, you know, I know the number's three, two and a half around town, so the Chargers get the edge right there to start. We'll see where the money goes, but I think it's going to be really, really close. And, and, you know, you can't, can't overstate the importance of a home crowd when it's a game like that. So I think the atmosphere should and will be electric, and uh, that might push them over the top. Right, it really could, and I mean, it, I think it tells you a lot when the NFL flexes it to a Sunday night football game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the last game of the regular season. It's prime time at Allegiant Stadium. How big of a game is this going to be? Kind of in the in the not history of Las Vegas. Cause I know there's been a lot of fantastic games, and obviously boxing and UFC fights. But just how big of a game do you think this is going to be for Las Vegas in general? Oh man, I think it's huge because it's the NFL, and I know a lot of people, you know, in the 750 and the tax were against it. And, you know, but I think everyone's kind of the, what I'm seeing around Twitter and around town is a lot of people have suddenly become very interested in fans of the Raiders. Uh, and it's the NFL. It's the biggest sport we have in this country. Um, 
you know, I was here obviously when the Golden Knights went on their Stanley Cup playoff run, and that was different because it was more of a hometown feel. That team integrated in the community in one of the worst times in the history of the town with the shooting, and it would, they, they will always be different because of that. They will always right. be felt as a more local-based team than an NFL team. But, look, anytime you have an NFL team and you're one of 32, it's a very special thing to be an NFL city and to have a game where a playoff uh, berth is on the line makes it even bigger. So I think it's a huge deal for Las Vegas. I mean, you know, Super Bowl is coming, or starting to get major events, the draft, the Pro Bowl, and this is just yet another one of those major kind of moments that you can point to to say, you know, it's a professional town now. It's a big league town now. Right, absolutely. We're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, also the Las Vegas Review Journal here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Darren Waller, he's been out since Thanksgiving, that, that game against the Cowboys. Uh, sounded like Rich Basaccia feels like there's a chance he might get back this week. How big for the offense would it be if Waller can come back, especially with what Hunter Renfro has been able to do lately? Yeah, I think it's biggest just psychologically having him on the field. I, I mean, now the Chargers are going to have to be aware of him, obviously, especially if he's healthy and he can get back. But I just think it gives a boost to an offense like we talked to before that hasn't been very good. Uh, they were very good in the first drive uh, yesterday, and they were very good in the final drive in the last few drives, and they weren't very good in between. So, right. I mean, Hunter's done an amazing job, you know, stepping in as the main receiver. I thought Zay Jones was exceptional yesterday. But yeah. anytime you can put one of the top, what, three tight ends, you know, Kelsey, um, Waller, um, you know, uh, people like that on the field – uh, you know, that's a huge boost psychologically to your offense. So I think it would be huge if he came out there, even if he's not 100% and he can just be in, you know, not, not as much a decoy, but make them try to defend him, and that way it can open up even things more for Zay Jones and Hunter Renfro and people like that. Right, and speaking of Zay Jones, I've been really impressed, and we were talking with Ted Nguyen earlier from The Athletic, and he was saying that when, when Ruggs went out, Jones all of a sudden became like the deep threat, and that's not really his game, and so the Raiders have kind of changed the way that they're playing him, and now all of a sudden you're seeing that chemistry with Derek Carr. Is that the same thing you're seeing from Zay Jones? Yeah, like I said, he, he was terrific yesterday. I don't know if he's – I don't think he's the Henry Ruggs deep threat. I think maybe that's why they actually got Deshaun, hoping he right. could help them deep. But, I, you know, their chemistry continues to build weekly, and it's been in a very important spot right now as they go towards the playoffs. So I thought he was very good. I, um, you know, listening to him talk, watching how he handles himself, he's very professional, very soft-spoken, um, you know, kind of just acts like a pro and, and goes out there and does his job. And yesterday, I, I just thought he was so good yesterday with his career-high 120 yards. And if they can get that out of Zay Jones, given what Renfro's given them, and if Waller comes back, Hey, you, you just don't know. I mean, you, you, you win a game and, and you get to the playoffs. Nobody knows what happens after that. Um, but I think Zay Jones has been a huge, huge addition in terms of when Henry went out with his thing and he was released. They needed someone to step up. And it's taken Zay a while. Um, you know, yesterday obviously was his best game. But if he continues on that trajectory, I, I think that's huge for the Raiders. I mean, just in time, right? I mean, you have this big game yeah. on Sunday night, and if you can get into the dance, then who knows what can happen. Uh, but you got to be in the dance before you can actually go dance. And talking right now with Ed Graney here on Raider Nation Radio 920, I wanted to ask you about the defense. I mean, I feel like all year they've kept the Raiders in games. They're not statistically a great unit, but they're good enough to, to keep the, the Raiders in these games. What have you seen from the defense, and, and how surprised are you that Gus Bradley was able to get it turned around so quickly? Uh, that's a great question. I, I thought he'd turn it around just because of his, his resume. This quickly, I'm not so sure. They were really good again yesterday except for one drive, and, and really Carlson hurt them there by the out-of-bounds kick that started at the 40. If he, if he gets it through the end zone, I don't know if the Colts have time. They probably don't have time to drive it and score there. So right. that kind of hurt them. Daniel put them in a bad spot, even as incredible as Daniel's been all year. Um, I think the defense, I mean, I think they've won them you know, the last two or three games. 
And, you know, I think the defense is why they're in the position they're in. So, Gus, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year um, with the staff, but they have to keep Gus Bradley. That's just my opinion. I, I think they have to do whatever is needed to keep Gus Bradley because they, you're right, Q. Statistically, you don't look at them and say, oh, they're one of the top however many defenses in the league. But if you saw this and you did as well as anyone the last few years compared to now, right. he's made a huge, huge difference. And if they can continue that and draft, you know, well or maybe better than they have and, and, and really focus on what they need in certain spots, they'll get even better under Gus Bradley. So I think he's done a fantastic job. Yeah, no, I, I do as well. And a couple guys on the defensive side of the ball I wanted to ask you about. Trayvon Merrick and Casey Hayward, can one of those guys, I think we talked immediately after that play happened, can one of those guys make a play? Can one? Yeah. <laughs> it, I mean, just, and the funny thing is on those, I know instinctively, like you're always instinctively want to catch it. I get that. Right. But just knock the ball, you know, 10 feet out of bounds. Like right. they always go up instinctively, players do to catch it. I get that. I mean, I understand everyone wants interceptions; they want to turn the ball over and all that. But in that situation with two guys there, you would have hoped one just went up and just like you know, like a volleyball, spiked it out and just got right. rid of it uh, instead of making it to where okay, they're both kind of going for it, and then it pops up and and goes right into Hilton's hand. So yeah, I mean that was a that was a hard play for them to swallow. I think Trayvon Morgan's got. I think he's had a nice rookie season. It's hard to play that spot as a rookie. And yep. Casey Hayward, I think, is you know as as you know as sound as anyone. Casey Hayward is one of the better corners in the league and has been for a while. So, you know, it was a, it was a fluke play, but you know that that hurt them. And you know, to their credit, they came back. That's why I talk about the resiliency and the drama and the craziness that has happened with this team all year. And somehow they found a way to be in this position. I, I think that's a credit to them. I really think it's a credit to Basachi. You know, Basachi yeah. came in. He put his coordinators in charge. He didn't try to be Mr. You know, I'm going to run everything. He didn't try to be Gruden and I'm going to have all the power. He just kind of came in and tried to steady the ship and let yeah. his coordinators do what they do and then have a, a say in things. And I don't know, again, we have no idea what's going to happen with the coach, but if this is all Bruce Versace does is coach this team to the end of this season, I think he's done a really, really good job given what he inherited. No doubt, no doubt. No coach would want to sign up for what Rich Basaccia took over, no. but uh, he's no. doing everything he can with very little to work with, but uh, he's making the best of it, so you've got to give him a lot of credit for that. Uh, how about that fourth and two call? I mean, there was no hesitation. Yeah. The Raiders knew that they were going to go for it, and we talked about it earlier on the show, but what did you think when you saw no hesitation and the Raiders roll the dice and it, they got rewarded with a touchdown? It was the right call to go for it, even though the TV analyst didn't think so. It was the right call to go for it, and two, you know, he, he put faith in his team, and you know, the analytics people say that's an easy easy call. You have to go for it, and maybe that's true. But let's not forget what you just said. He's an interim coach, and there's right. pressure on an interim coach of what to do there. Hey, do we just get within one? We have Carlson. Then you get a stop. You get a field goal. You're up two. I mean, you know, everything's going through his head. I gave him a lot of credit, and I wrote this the paper day. I mean, he made a gutsy, gutsy call. And, and like I said, the analytics people disagree with me and say it's not gutsy at all. But when you're in the position he's in, this is not Bill Belichick where if it fails or succeeds, it doesn't matter. He's not, he's not going anywhere. This is a guy who's an right. interim coach trying to do his best to get a team to the playoffs. And, and Derek made a great throw on that. They made a great play. Um, Hunter said afterwards it was supposed to go to today. He was kind of doing an in-and-out route. But Derek went through the progression and found, found Renfro, and uh, that was a great play. Derek did some really good things creatively when it broke down yesterday. Also, the last play, obviously, to Renfro before, the, before um, they set up uh, uh, Daniel. And I thought yeah. Derek was really good when, he, when, when, he, you know, when they were off script there yesterday. I agree. I agree 100%. Again, we're talking with Ed Graney from ESPN Las Vegas, the Press Box, also Las Vegas Review Journal. And I, I wanted to ask you a couple UNLV questions real quick. Uh, Eric Harper, he is no longer yeah. the interim athletic director. Now he's the guy. Uh, what does that mean for UNLV moving forward? And, and, and what's on his plate? What's his agenda now that he is the guy? 
Well, there's pressure. He has to prove he can do the job. Now, this is a guy who's had 30 years of collegiate athletics experience. He's done almost every job except the one he just got. So it's an understatement to say he's prepared. I think he's earned the right to do it. That doesn't mean anything. He could be great. He could be bad. We don't know how he's going to be as the lead guy. He's got to get football in order. Um, that, that, that's number one. That's the number one job. He has to get football in order. Um, Marcus Arroyo is two and sixteen uh, now. The first year was a pandemic. We understand that, but they've got to win. They can't keep talking about Allegiant Stadium and the Fertitta Football Complex as game changers and not change the game. You got to change right. the game. I mean, there's no more excuses. Um, you know, and I'm talking about change the game for me is like six and six and go to a minor bowl. I mean, right. I don't think anyone's sitting here saying they're getting the college football player. Just, just get respectable. Just get competent. So I think he has to oversee that right away. And, again, it's an ever-changing landscape in collegiate athletics with expansion and power fives and who might go where. So he's got to keep one eye on the big picture, but his main eye better be on his over-athletic department program. I think he's earned it 30 years in collegiate athletics, um, and now we get to see if he can do the job. Now it's on him. He got the job. uh, Good for him. And now he gets to prove it. Right. Absolutely. My man, DeMond Cotton, back in the home studio. When we start talking UNLV, you know he's got a question for you. Go ahead, DeMond. All right, Ed. It's not that I don't think Eric Harper deserves the job, but they basically Uh-oh, gave here him the it comes, same but, contract. Here comes a but. Yes, but <laughs> they gave him the same contract that Desiree Reed Francois had. So it's the same contract. Doesn't this show that the that the um, UNLV powers that be that they're okay with how the athletic programs are doing so far, and they're just trying to keep things like just easy, easy as it is? Well, they might be, but they shouldn't be, especially with football. Now, again, volleyball won the postseason tournament there, the tournament below the NCAA tournament, which was great for them. That volleyball coach, they have a really good volleyball coach. They've done well in Olympic sports for, in, a, in a lot of avenues. But, Devon, the reason, you know, you ask about football all the time and Q and I talk about it all the time is that's what people care about. And people, you know, people in Olympic sports hate to hear that, and I'm sure they love their sports and care about it, but I'm talking about the vast majority. They have to get contending in football and men's basketball. And that's Kevin's first year. We'll see how he does. He deserves the right and chance to, to um, coach and to see if he can do it. And, and Marcus Arroyo, obviously, he's only been there two years, uh, needs the right to see if he can turn this. But you can't wait long in these sports. Um, they have to start contending, and they haven't contended very much in a long, long time, especially football. So uh, it was interesting to me. I agree with you that they gave him the same contract. I thought that was interesting. Um, usually you'll come in a little below what the person ahead of you made. But good for Eric Harper. Like I said, he's been in this thing thirty years, thirty plus years. Um, he, you know, he won't know. He, you know, he'll know how to get to his office. They won't have to point him to the athletic director's office. So it's on him. And I, I make the I make the comparison in the newspaper tomorrow. It's like, and Hugh knows this. When you're an assistant basketball coach, go to the head job. You move over one chair. Well, when you move over one chair, it's big. It's a big difference. That chair comes with a yep. lot of pressure and responsibility. And now he has it. So we'll just have to see how he does. Should be interesting, Demond. You got anything else? Uh, you know, if you're going to be an Eric, you can't have a C and a K. You know, pick one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're, now we're nitpicking with the name. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But that's just DeMond being DeMond. So good stuff. Uh, Ed, fantastic as always, my man. You, uh, what do you guys got coming out on the press box? What do you got coming out on the Review Journal to be on the lookout for? Review Journal, I write about Eric Harper tomorrow in press box. I'm sure we'll talk about Eric Harper. Tyler, I have a lot of opinions on that because it's UNLV. We'll talk about what happened in San Diego State. Um, I wasn't with him today, so I want to go over that with him. And I'm sure we'll lead with the Raiders. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's always something going on, right? It's always something fast and furious here in this uh, Las Vegas market with UNLV, the Raiders, the Golden Knights. Everything is going on. Uh, it's, it's, a great, it's a great time to be alive. <laughs> and having some fun yeah. here uh, on, on the radio station. Ed, thank you so much as always, my man. I do appreciate right. you. Thanks, fellas. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. All right, there he goes, Ed Graney.
uh, like I said, man, it's, it's, it's fantastic when I take two steps back. And I know sometimes this gets taxing. Sometimes this gets a little mental reps. You get a little fatigued. But, man, when you think back about everything that we have going on, everything we get to talk about on the daily uh, here in this fantastic city, uh, when I say I'm blessed, I absolutely mean it 100%. We are all blessed to be in the position that we're currently in to be able to do this for a living. 318 is the time. Many thanks to Ed. I do appreciate it. This hour of unnecessary roughness is being brought to you by Nova Home Loans. We'll tell you more about that in a minute. Coming on back, we want to hear from you, Raider Nation, 702-365-9200 and the Salmon Ash text line, 69187, keyword r This is Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's something that, that that's, it's not just something that we went through so it helps us. I mean, we talked about it, you know, like nobody cares. Keep going. Win, you know, win the day. Win, win the game. You know, is the season over because our head coach is gone? Is the season over? You know, because a receiver's gone, a corner's gone. You know, is you know we're just gonna, you know, and at the end of the day, we have a job to do. So it's like that, just nobody cares mentality. You know, no one's gonna come feel sorry for you. No one's gonna come pat you on the back. Tell you it's gonna be okay. It's not okay. We gotta win. That's about as real as it gets. That's exactly what they do. Got to win, and that's what they've done the last three games. That was Derek Carr right there talking about nobody cares. Simple as that as we're at the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. We're here every Monday night for Monday Night Football. We got the Steelers and we got the Browns on deck tonight. Uh, We'll be hanging out for a while, watching the game, enjoying some cold drinks and some good food. So come on out if you have an opportunity to hang out and get some of these cool prizes that we have uh, here on the table. Right now, though, got some really good Raider Nation listeners on the phone line at 702-365-9200. So let's get to them real quick. Fargo Raider, you're up first. What's on your mind, my man? Hey, Q and Demond, thank you guys for taking my call. I hope you guys are doing good today. Yes, sir. Um, I just want to come in and start off by saying uh, happy victory Monday, Madden Monday. You know, it feels good to call in after a win. I love it. It gives me right. a little bit of extra pep in my step every week. And uh, <laughs> I wanted to touch on what you said. Um, you know, I, we all have our differences, but I argue respectfully. There's no need to be, you know, terrible to each other. We're, we're on the same team. Last I heard, it was one nation, you know. So we need to remember that at the end of the day, even if we do not agree with each other, there's no, there's no need for name-calling and insulting each other. Um, my game ball, I'm going to have to say, goes to the wheelbarrow that, cal- that carries that pair that Versace's got into the, into the building, man. <laughs> Man, that's what I wanted to see. That's the little critique that we had of him, that he was mismanaging timeouts and that he wasn't going for it, you know, showing that we wanted to win the games. Well, that's that's a thing of the past. And it's very fitting that Renfro looks like an accountant because that man is as sure as death in Texas, you know? Love that. Can't, can't right. put it any better than that. The driving force, I think, behind these wins is the defense. They've, they've been holding these run teams from what they wanted to do and what they do best, despite being subpar before that. And that's gone a long way. Hankins had stepped up up to this point, and this week, Pylon did in his absence. I love to see that. You know, my homie was a casual fan um, up to this year, and when we went to that Washington football game, that greeting at the Rockstar, and then going to the Trago, and then the tailgate really, you know, he found his fandom there. So I want the Raider Nation to remember that we're we're all one and we all love each other. You might be the reason that somebody's experience 
um, really brings them into the fold of this Raider Nation. So let's try to be pleasant and love on each other, man. You guys have a good good day, and thank you for taking my call, too. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for the call. I do appreciate you. And, uh, yeah, man, uh, Renfro's been uh, playing his tail off. He's been doing a heck of a job. Basaccia with the fourth and two call, uh, being able to go for it. I mean, again, I just think that that aggressiveness was something that everyone in Raider Nation needed to see, wanted to see, because, again, what do you have to lose at this point? You just got to roll the dice and go for it. I expect to see more of that coming up Sunday night. Let's go out to my brother, really my brother, Brother Marquise in a 305, rep Miami one time. What's on your man, my mind, my man? <laughs> What's good, Q? How you doing, fam? I'm blessed, man. How you doing? Man, you know me, man. Always grinding, baby. Uh, hey, man, listen to this show, man. There's a couple things, man. That it's like a, you call with one thing, and then all of a sudden people start throwing in things, and next thing you know, you got 50 things you want to talk about. But uh, <laughs> to start off with, 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 with the whole people hating on each other, you know, I think it's ridiculous. You're right. It's ridiculous. First of all, when it comes to Derek Carr, you know, he, he, he's a maddening player. There's no right or wrong answer. There's a million different things you can argue, and there's a million reasons where you could defend that argument. So for anybody to stand on a stand out and say that hey, this should happen or this should happen, they don't. Then they're not a they're not a, in my mind, an intelligent fan because there's a lot of ways you can argue. He's he's he plays so much in the shade of gray. There's no black and white with him. Um, right. You know, but the main reason I wanted to talk to you, I wanted to, because you and I, other than other than the signing of Vontez Berflick, me, me and you are pretty much always on the same page. Right. And uh, here's a legitimate question for when it comes to Basaccia. I'm with you. I don't think he's the, the right the head coach. I don't think he's the guy that should, you know, going further and, and that is, is for that matter. But what, what legitimately does he need to do to really deserve the opportunity for another, for another year? I mean, because... <laughs> What he's gone through, right. nobody wants to do. And, and let's look back at any of our let's, – let's not forget he's the first-time head coach. If we went right. back to your first year as a, as a, as a, on the radio, I'm sure you might be like, hey, that guy doesn't deserve another year. You know? <laughs> right. So, yeah. So what, what, what legitimately should be if, – if this guy takes you to the playoffs, won four in a row, and let's say he wins the playoff game, wins five in a row to finish the season, do we still feel that, hey, he doesn't deserve the right to be the coach? <laughs> that's a great question that's a fantastic question and especially when you put it that way I mean I, I don't really know what the answer to that is I mean I really don't and you're absolutely right none of us were what we were our first year our first time doing something I know that for a fact so that's a great question jeez <laughs> good stuff brother Marquise in the 305 Damon do we have time for one more call I gotta take a break all right well, <laughs> hurry up all right let's go out to New Orleans let's talk to our guy Steven in New Orleans what's up my man Hey, Chill, I'm calling to represent the 985 now. you probably never heard that before, but... Um, nope. <laughs> I, my, my son and I gave each other birthday and Christmas presents about four weeks ago coming to this game this week. And nice. And right after the Cowboy game, and you kind of go, okay. And then, like, a week later, you're regretting it because you go, the game, game's not going to mean anything. But we decided we're going to go. We're going to have a good time either way, no matter what, because we wanted to see the stadium. We wanted to do the trip. But yeah. deeply inside, I just wanted it to mean something. And now it does. And um, last night I'm watching that whole Sunday night game waiting for them to announce. As you know, I DM'd you trying to find out when the game was going to be because I had some people saying they're flexing this thing to Saturday. And right. I just the conspiracy theory in me came out. And I'm freaking out thinking, the NFL is going to make the Raiders play the early game on Saturday. You can watch. And I'm going to be <laughs> stuck in a damn airplane panicking and – <laughs> having to figure out if I could drive the 1,900 miles from New Orleans, Louisiana, 
but it all worked out great, and I hope to yes. meet a bunch of uh, Raider Nation people and figure out my itinerary because I'm there like Saturday at 1 o'clock and got all day Perfect. Saturday and all morning Sunday to come shake some hands and um, meet some people and have a good time. So, Absolutely. Thank you so much for that call, my man. And I'll just go ahead and tell you, if you get into town on Saturday, make sure you come by the Rockstar Bar and Grill. We're there every single uh, night before the before a home game, and so we'll be there Saturday night. Uh, starting around 5, 5.30-ish. Usually I get there probably around 6. But whatever time you get in, man, roll in and say what's up. And then we'll also be doing the pregame, pregame show on the Coors Light uh, landing at Allegiant Stadium. Uh, it'll be what time? I believe 2.15, 2 o'clock now, 2 o'clock to 3.15 because the game kicks off at 5.15. So a couple different places you can come hang out, man. We'd definitely like to meet you. And uh, glad to hear Raider Nation is on their way to Allegiant Stadium. Glad it all worked out for you. 3.31 is the time. When we come back, Carolina Teague, Spurs insider for San Antonio Sports Star. She'll join us to talk Becky Hammond she's the new head coach of the LV Aces very excited about that we'll get Carolina's thoughts next on Radio Nation Radio 920. All right Carolina I see on your on your Twitter bio it says pro wrestling ring announcer can I get a you're listening to unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio in your ring announcer voice? Wait it's gotta be Raider Nation Radio 920. Oh Raider Nation Radio 920 excuse me. You are listening to unnecessary roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920. Boom. There Loved it is. It. Good one, Damon. That was the best thing he contributed all day. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. I think that might have been Damon's finest work to this day. I don't know. Damon's done some good work, but that was fantastic. That was a great little intro right there. From Carolina Teague, our Spurs insider for SA Sports and, uh, yeah, Sports Star in San Antonio. Excuse me. She's on the phone lines right now. Carolina, thank you so much for your time. I do appreciate you and wanted to have you on to talk about Becky Hammond. She's the head coach now of the LV Aces. Mark Davis, the Raiders and Aces owner, gave her a big-time contract, about $5 million reportedly, and uh, that's the highest contract in the league. What were your thoughts when you saw the news that Becky Hammond was leaving San Antonio, leaving the Spurs for the LV Aces? I thought it was a great move. As soon as I heard the news that Mark Davis wanted uh, Becky Hammond on, I thought this was a great move for her. The Las Vegas Aces, I feel like this is a great organization for her to be with. Not only um, have they made uh, three WNBA semifinals appearances and one WNBA finals appearance um, within the last or in the past couple of years with Bill Lambeer at the Rays, but now you have Becky Hammond who's at the forefront and she has every right to possibly bring the Las Vegas Aces to a, a title, and I think that's her ultimate goal. The other options that she had with the NBA, the Pelicans and the Trailblazers, these organizations were not ideal for her as well. She got a great contract out of it, and I think the most important thing that a lot of people don't consider is vision. What is the vision that the people who put you in a position of power have for you? I think Mark Davis has a vision for her to be head coach right away. Becky Hammond just did an interview not like less than an hour ago saying that uh, he saw the vision for her to be a head coach. When she went to go apply for NBA head coach jobs elsewhere, they said they didn't see her as a head coach because she only had assistant coach experience with the San Antonio Spurs. You need someone who has that vision, and I think that Las Vegas Aces are perfect for her. I'm shocked that uh, she got a lot of backlash for that, though. Right, exactly, and I wanted to ask you about that because what is, I mean, what, why did she get a bunch of backlash? I think it's a great move, like you just said, for every reason that you just said, and she wants to be a head coach, so if she could be a head coach, then why not go to the LV Aces? By the way, that's a team that she used to play for when they were located in San Antonio. 
Yeah, and that's another thing, too. There's a San Antonio uh, tie, so it's also great for people who are San Antonio fans as well. But um, I think she got a lot of backlash because a lot of people who gave her the backlash aren't necessarily business-minded. I think some people need to put their business hat on and look at this as not a move that's a downgrade, which really bothers me, by the way, because this is the G League that she's coaching. This is a professional women's basketball organization that she's coaching for. And also, she was in a idle role as the San Antonio Spurs assistant coach under Greg Popovich for the past six years, which is a great position to be in, by the way. But mm-hmm. she did not have any moves to become head coach of the NBA. So why not take your own fate by the horns and be able to coach for a professional women's basketball team as head coach be able to prove your worth. And like Becky Hammond said, she was taking plays from the WNBA to implement with the San Antonio Spurs this season. So it's not like she's taking a downgrade as far as like being a high school coach or a right. G League coach. This is a professional women's basketball team. And it's really upsetting to me that uh, people consider this a downgrade simply because this is a professional sports organization for women. I mean, you could say it's a downgrade from a numbers perspective or a marketing perspective, but I beg to differ, and I think that this also brings more attention to the w, WNBA and allows for women to be paid more in these positions as well. So I think it's a great look. I do, too. And, I mean, she got a great contract from Mark Davis. Uh, the LV Aces have a great following. It's always packed and electric at their arenas. So, I mean, I, I just think that, like you said, uh, for all those reasons, it's going to be a good look for her. What ha- do you feel like in the time, you mentioned the six and a half years she's been under Greg Popovich, what has she learned? Why It seems like so many players gravitate towards her. I think they gravitate towards her because I don't think she uses the fact that she's a woman to her advantage. I mean, she she also has the fact that she's very, you know, she has her own, like, credentials as well, being a player herself. So it's not right. like she just hopped into this role simply because she's a woman. She has the numbers to back her up. She played in the WNBA. She broke records at Colorado State. She broke records in high school. She's been able to, you know, go under the wing of Greg Popovich. So I think she not only has the you know the role but she also has the credentials and the years of experience and the basketball intelligence that anybody could can possess man or woman so i think that's why a lot of the players have a lot of respect for becky hammond as uh their assistant coach from san antonio stars at the moment they've had nothing but nice things to say about her and they should i think she's great at what she does I agree. 100% talking with Carolina Teague, Spurs insider from San Antonio Sports Star here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. So uh, what's been the fan base reaction as far as the Spurs fans? Have they been upset that she's leaving? Uh, I know you mentioned that some think it's a, it's a step backwards, but what, what has been the overall feeling from the Spurs fans? I think a lot of people are happy for her, but then there's also that um, sense of disappointment as well. Um, everybody is just trying to figure out what Greg Popovich is going to do. Everybody's trying to make predictions on when his last year is going to be. And it's been kind of the consensus for the small market that San Antonio has that the next head coach for the San Antonio Spurs would be Becky Hammond. Now, this move kind of shows that she's not going to be the head coach for the San Antonio Spurs once Greg Popovich leaves. I mean, but who's to say that can't happen in the future? But it is a little disappointing for people who follow the Spurs because they expected her to be that next acting head coach for the San Antonio Spurs, and they wanted the Spurs to be the the people to trailblaze women in, in head coaching. Do you think there's an opportunity for her to get back to the NBA? She coaches, who knows, the Aces for a few years and maybe wins them a title. Do you think that that could help project her back to the NBA? 
Absolutely. I mean, this has happened for a lot of women in sports in general, people in sports media like myself. Sometimes you get the short end of the stick when it comes to opportunities, even though you have the credentials to back you up. And they can't give you an answer other than, you know, excuses that they make for you that don't make any sense. Like, for example, they told Becky Hammond today, or Becky Hammond said today, that they told her she only acted as uh, assistant head coach for the San Antonio Spurs. But then you look at somebody like Steve Nash, who's never been a head coach in his career, and he automatically becomes the head coach of the Brooklyn Nets without any experience other than being a player's consultant for the Golden State Warriors. So these things are a little bit discouraging. And I think what sometimes what some people have to do when you're given the short end of the stick, you have to take I wouldn't say take a step back, but you have to make a different move for yourself. You can't right. be idle as an assistant head coach. Then you can go be the head coach. Say, and then when you try to come back to the NBA, you can say, hey, look, I've already been the head coach for a professional organization. I've already also been in the NBA for six and a half years under Greg Popovich, the greatest, well, the, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. And not only that, I've coached NBA players. I've coached WNBA players. I've um, also, you know, been an, I'm an Olympian as well. I mean, there's so many things that she could add to this her resume, and this just adds another layer for her. When her contract is up with the Las Vegas Aces, if she chooses to go back to the NBA, it'll only benefit her. You know, and what does that tell you about the Raiders and Aces owner Mark Davis? As obviously there's a long history with the Raiders organization uh, doing groundbreaking things. And I'm, I'm not necessarily saying this is groundbreaking, but just giving her the contract that he's given her and taking her from the NBA to run the Aces. I mean, even she's got the GM role as well. Uh, how big is that and what does that tell you about the owner, Mark Davis? I think that's a, a great look for Mark Davis and the Las Vegas Aces. I'm not saying that they did it for that look, but what I'm saying is, is that them taking her away from the NBA shows this. Hey, you guys might not believe in her, but we do. And not only do we believe in her, we're going to put her in a position of power in an organization that's been doing a great job for several years, and we're going to be making her the highest-paid WNBA coach of all time. That says a lot about Mark Davis. That says a lot about the Las Vegas Aces. So kudos to them for doing the right thing, and I think that puts the NBA on watch. I think they fumbled the bag, to be honest with you. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it. I really am excited about the move. Again, I, I love watching the Aces. I love going to the arena. It's just a uh, electric atmosphere, and I know with her, I saw a lot of the player reaction already. Uh, they're fired up about her coming into the fold, and uh, like you said, she had her media session about an hour or so ago uh, where she was basically rolling out everything, so I thought that that was interesting as well. Well, I know that when I reached out to you uh, on Friday, I believe you were pretty fired up about the whole uh, scenario, so uh, I, I know you're happy for Becky. I'm happy for Becky. We'll see how it all shakes out, but uh, – uh, now the Spurs are going to have to fill that role as well. And she's going to stay there until the season's over, right? Yeah, and, and, you know, I was big mad that day because I couldn't believe <laughs> all these people equated a women's basketball organization to a downgrade. I was like, how dare you? How dare you say that? That was disrespectful, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait to not only tell you guys how disrespectful I think it is. I can't wait to be on the air tomorrow and tell people how disrespectful it is. But also, um, San Antonio Spurs, she's going to have double the work. She said she's going to have to work with the Las Vegas Aces while she's being an assistant coach for the Spurs. So when you look at Becky Hammond, you got to look at a hardworking woman who's willing to do whatever it takes to be in the power in the position of power that she wants to be in. No doubt about it. Well, that's why I wanted to have you on. I knew you were fired up. It's like we were thinking at the same time. We were texting each other at the same time. Great stuff. Uh, I def- definitely appreciate your insight, and uh, you're going to have to hurry up and come back out to Vegas and uh, hang out for a little while. 
I need to. And you know what? We, I, you did read my mind. I was like definitely about to text you, and you texted me right at the same time. So thank you, uh, thank you, Q, for hitting me up. And you know what? Just talking Las Vegas with you at any time just makes me happy. So thanks for letting me vent about Becky Hammond. And um, great job for the Las Vegas Aces. You guys are doing a great job. No doubt. Now you just have to come out there and see a game. Now you just got to come check out a game. That's all you have to do. <laughs> I'm going to be there, but y'all need to be there with me. I don't know anything about Las Vegas except for that it's nothing but trouble. So next uh, time you got to be out there, you gotta keep, you got, it's nothing but trouble. Y'all got to keep me in, in check when I'm out there. Yeah, we'll try. You will try. But thank you so much for your time. That's Carolina Teague, uh, Spurs Insider. Antonio sports star. She does a fantastic job covering the Spurs, and it wasn't our fault. She came out here and tried to get her J-Lo on, man. She was all over the city last time she was here, but uh, that's what happened. She had a good time, and uh, she'll have a good time again. We always appreciate her insight. 344 is the time. We'll come on back. We'll close out the show live from the Underground Lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino. This is Radio Nation Radio 920. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. Here's your boy Q. As more folks are rolling into the underground lounge inside the Oyo Hotel and Casino, very excited about Monday Night Football action. I've been throwing this football around. I threw it to to Jason. I threw a fastball to Jason, and he caught it. And I thought that he was going to not let Demi get hit with the ball. So I said, you're lucky you caught that. And he said, I'm making sure my beer don't get knocked over. So Jason was looking out for his beer and not Demi. I guess they could talk about that later. But he did catch it to his credit. He did catch it. So we got a few more minutes left in today's show. I'm going to throw this ball around the yard a little bit more. I, I, something about this, man. I just That's what happens when you're an only child. A simple Nerf ball like makes the day. <laughs> that used to be my gift. My mom used to give me like, a, here's a brand new football. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is the greatest thing ever. Did you ever see those uh, when Nerf came out with the football that one side was flat so you could throw it against the wall and it bounced back to oh, you? Oh, no. I think I was already past being a kid then. Yeah, it's for people who didn't have to throw with. Hey, dog. I used to uh, – no joke, man. I used to play full-court basketball against myself. I used to play a football game against myself. I was the most creative dude ever with a simple ball or a balloon. Get me a balloon from a party and watch me go to work. Man, I would put in the work. I don't know what got into me, but I was a creative young man. <laughs> I really was. Got a couple texts on the Salmon Ash text line at 69187, keyword R&R. This one from Rob in Oakland is a fantastic text. I do appreciate this. He said, uh, interesting observation regarding our fan base, Q. I remember going to the Coliseum and sharing food, drinks, and conversation with strangers in the parking lot. I'd be hugging and high-fiving strangers after Raiders touchdowns during games. It was all love for anyone wearing Raiders gear. Our larger society has changed a lot since those days. Now a lot of our social interactions are based on visible traits that we can't change. People approach strangers with skepticism and can't wait to call someone out, especially if they seem to be different. I think this started with politics, got amplified by social media, and then affected the majority of the population that isn't even on social media. And then two, having a polarizing quarterback that sometimes give you is good enough to get MVP votes and other times fumbles out of the end zone, makes disappointed and emotional fans argue with each other, especially after losses when it becomes a lightning rod for criticism that other fans believe is unfair. I think the numerous losses over the last few decades to teams and franchises we don't like or really respect also makes us snap on each other. I'm sure the move to LV has something to do with it as well, but I'm not touching that until I have more time to think about it. From Rob in Oakland, very good details right there. And uh, I believe that 
all of that that you just said has a lot to do with it. It just gets frustrating. As a guy that's just like you, Rob, uh, and I know that we're not in the same climate where we go and share food and drinks and conversations and jump into strangers' arms, but I'll promise you, I remember being at uh, what game was it specifically? It was the Raiders and Eagles game, and Deshaun Jackson and uh, Michael Vick was on the Eagles at that time, and it was at the Coliseum. I remember the Raiders won that game, and I remember both of my sons were up there. We were sitting next to Kirk Morrison's family, and they started doing the jerk after every time the Raiders scored. And, I mean, they were jumping up and down and high-fiving, like you mentioned, with total strangers. And then we walked across the BART, uh, across the bridge, headed back to the car, and everyone's chanting, uh, Eagles suck, Eagles suck. And my little dude looked at me, and he was still a little dude at that point, and said, Dad, can I? Dad, can I? Because he knew that he wasn't supposed to say suck. His mom wasn't going to be happy about that. And I was like, hell yeah, you can you better go for it. you got the opportunity now. Your mama ain't around. So he, he got it. I mean, and they were just loving it, you know, and that, that was the family atmosphere that, I mean, obviously I was already a deep, deep-hearted fan, but, I mean, that was the family atmosphere and the love of we all know each other. There's no stranger. Even though we were all strangers, there was no stranger, you know, and I remember sitting there next to Kirk Morrison's dad, and, and that's why I keep bringing that up is because, you know, he was the coolest and friendliest dude and jump up and down and high-five you, and it was just, it was just fantastic, and it just feels like there's, a, there's something missing that's not there right now, and it's, it's just disappointing. But every reason that you brought up on that text has a lot to do with it. Let's go out, hustle out to the Raider Nation listener line one time at 702-365-9200. Talk to our guy, Big Jose from San Jose. What's up, Jose? What's up, Q? How's it going, bro? Blessed, man. I'm good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. Hey, I was just thinking about that last text that you uh, said you got about uh, fumbling out of the end zone. I was at that game. That wasn't even <laughs> what cost of the game. Remember, that was that, that, was that index Hard yeah. folded first down that cost us the game. That was yep. outrageous. And I was working with Roger Craig at the time. We were both working at Tipco, and I asked him, man, what did you think about that? He said, he ain't never seen nothing like that. And we ain't never seen nothing like that ever since. So right. that was that was all state BS right there. But I'm excited <laughs> about the game Sunday. Going to be in, going to roll in Saturday morning and be there for the game. And I hope I can catch up with you and, and check you out real quick. Sounds good. And Sounds good, man. Out now, Black Hat, Black Shield going to be there. Good, good deal, good deal, man. We'll be here. We'll be here waiting for you, man. We're welcoming you in with open arms, man. We can't wait for you to get here. Make sure you have safe travels. And that goes for anyone who's headed to Las Vegas uh, by way of plane or driving or whatnot. I mean, however you plan on getting here, uh, just be safe out there, man, because there's a lot of crazy going on, and we want you to be safe and make your trip to Vegas uh, a comfortable one. So, uh, yeah, look forward to having you here. I do appreciate you. Damon, who's been back in the home studio, you've done a fantastic job, man. I know that uh, you haven't really been able to be too active in the show, but you've been navigating the phone lines. You've been getting our guests, hustling them on and off, and keeping uh, me on time. So uh, I definitely appreciate your e efforts. I know Vinny, he's in the studio, right? Yes, he is. Vinny, what's up, my man? How was your trip from India? I'm glad to hear you made it back safely. The trip to Indianapolis was cold, uh, but uh, I got to <laughs> say that was a um, it was a big game uh, yesterday, and you felt it. You know, you felt it yeah. from the minute you got uh, to, to to Indianapolis because it was a big game for the Colts as well. Obviously, a huge game for the Raiders, and and it's it's great being in this business sometimes because when mm -hmm. a, when a big game happens, you feel it and you sense it and you understand it. And it was a it was a heavyweight fight throughout that game, and the Raiders survived. Yeah. And that's what you got to do uh, in December yep. and in January. That's what this season, th this part of the year, is all about. And I got to give the Raiders a lot of 
credit for for showing up uh, and, and and winning that game and, and extending their season. It was just it was it was a great performance yesterday. Even though it was sloppy and all that, it doesn't matter. Doesn't you matter. win games this time of year in important games. Those are Mona Lisas that you hang up on a wall. Right, exactly. Hey, I'll take sloppy. You know, you take you'll take wins any way you can get it, and that's exactly what they did. And you know, there was a, like you said, it was a heavyweight fight, and they were able to be the last the last team standing in that scenario. And I know that there, Vinny, that there's a backdoor way for the Raiders to get into the playoffs without actually winning Sunday night, but. I mean, how excited and pumped up are you from your point of view, you know, covering sports? This is kind of what we live for, right? A win and get in scenario uh, in the home stadium. Uh, and Las Vegas is obviously a different animal. But just how exciting do you feel this atmosphere is going to be at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday? I think it's going to be um, off the charts and off the hook. Uh, I've already yep. talked to fans that are going to be here. They're, they, if they if they could show up today right now uh, and <laughs> right. go over to Allegiant Stadium and hang out until until kickoff, they would. It's going to have that kind of an atmosphere. I'd be shocked if it didn't. Um, and I think that it's going to be one of those all-day parties because it is a 5.30 game, 5.30 kickoff. I think fans are going to get there pretty early. You're going to feel it over the weekend because think about it. There's going to be Charger fans that are going to show up. There's That's just going to happen. That's, it's cool. Right. It's all good. Uh, it's all fun. Uh, but there's going to be a lot of Raider fans. I think way more Raider fans than Charger fans no there, obviously. Yep. Um, and I think it's going to be one of those kind of signature moments. Uh, this is how um, new markets start embracing teams. Um, mm -hmm. This is how you start getting embedded uh, in a new market. So these are the type of games and these are the type of events where you got, you're able to put a, a signature to something. And I, and I think that right. that's what it's going to be all about. And now we're going to see if the Raiders are going to be able to uh, seal the deal and win the game. Right, exactly. We were talking to Ed Graney earlier, and obviously he's your colleague there at the RJ. And, uh, and he just uh, said that this is one of the bigger games in the, in the history of Las Vegas, you know, because it is the NFL and it's so big and it has so much riding on it. It should be a very interesting game. Well, I know you'll have plenty to talk about. 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor will hold it down fresh from Indy. He's staying warm in the studio, and he's going to light up the airways. I'm excited about that. I'm going to stay here at the Underground Lounge inside the OYO. I'll be checking in multiple times throughout the course of Vinny's show, letting you know how all the action goes down and if we're able to throw this football around the lounge a little bit more. That's how we do. So thank you so much, DeMond. Appreciate you, Vinny. Do what you do. This is Unnecessary Roughness on Red Nation Radio 920.